Tuesday, June 13, 2018. This is Born the Battle, brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs. I am your host, Marine Corps veteran Timothy Lawson. Something I quickly want to address, something that has uh, come up in our social media comments a couple of times in recent history. Uh, if you follow us on any of the platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, maybe follow our blog, uh, you know that we do a daily Veteran of the Day post. Uh, and a couple of people have pointed out that there has been a, uh, a frequent or uh, a, a, you know, a decent amount of TCU, uh, what is that, Texas Christian University alumni uh, featured as Veteran of the Day, and, and people have uh, questioned why, you know, why TCU gets that sort of love. Uh, we actually, they're... they're a member of their staff, there, I think it's their veteran liaison, uh, just submits a lot of veteran of the days, and that's and that is how uh, we have been getting our frequent TCU alumni veteran of the day post. So uh, anybody can can submit a veteran of the day. You can nominate uh, a friend, yourself, a family member, uh, your one of your grandparents, one of your brothers, an aunt, and uncle, a friend. If you just stumble across a veteran on the internet, do you think is cool? You can nominate them. Uh, we just need basic ser- service information, uh, like where they serve, their occupation, years of service, branch of service, um, anything unique that you want to point out about them, maybe what they're doing, uh, if they use their GI Bill or if they got an education somewhere where they use that. Uh, I, we need a few photos to use for the graphic, and then uh, just send that stuff to newmedia at va.gov, and we will get them uh, put in rotation and scheduled as one of our Veteran of the Day posts. So I uh, just wanted to explain that to anybody else who has noticed that trend. We are gearing up for a Facebook Alive event on June 28th. It's going to be focusing on the VA home loans and housing-related assistance programs. Um, if you have not used a VA home loan, uh, if you've been curious about one, about one, this is going to be a great and informative uh, event. I used my VA home loan when I bought my first home, and it was super valuable. So... Um, be sure to follow this event. It's going to be on the National Association of Realtors Facebook page. I will remind you in next week's, uh, well, I guess the next two weeks, uh, I'll remind you um, of the day and time and where you can check that out because it's going to be uh, very important to check that, to, to follow along if you're interested in a VA home loan. Um, and your realtor should also be aware of them, like in, in your lender uh, as well. Your lender and your realtor should be aware of it, but it's imp- of course, it's important to understand it the best you can as the consumer. So uh, more on that to come. This week's featured interview is with Sally Roberts. Sally is a Army veteran that uh, now leads an organization called Wrestle Like a Girl. And one thing I love about talking to veterans, and one of the things that I've really I've just enjoyed about talking to veterans for uh, the long, uh, the, the, the five years that I've been doing podcasting involving veterans is... It's cool. I love I love hearing the military stories. I love hearing uh, the experience, the transition, the challenges. I like hearing about what they're doing for their fellow veterans, what they're doing in the community. But sometimes it's just really cool to see what veterans are doing so far away from what we're used to and how they're advocating for other people, how they're involved in other communities and the impact that they're making 
on their own, and it just so happens to be that that person is a United States veteran uh, or a veteran of the United States military. And that's this is what one of those are. Wrestle Like a Girl, she advocates for girls in wrestling um, in local communities across the globe. She's been involved in, in other countries developing their own programs. I'll let her explain a little bit, little bit better exactly what is she doing. This is super interesting, and I know you're going to enjoy it. I was a gunner's mate, Tonkin Golf. Logistics, Ramstein. Medic, Kandahar. As a veteran, it doesn't matter when or where you served. Infantry, Camp Pendleton. Or what you did. The VA has benefits that may be useful to you right now. See what VA can do for you. To learn what benefits you may be eligible for, visit www.va.gov. That's www.va.gov. Okay. Sally Roberts, thank you so much for joining us on Born the Battle. It's a pleasure talking to you. Oh, yes. Thank you for having me. So, Sally, we, we start every interview with the same question to one thing that all of us veterans have in common, and that's the, that's the decision to join the United States military. Can you bring us back to that decision for you? Yes. 2008 was an Olympic year, and I was convinced that I was going to make the U.S. Women's Wrestling Olympic team. However, in the finals, I ended up losing, and in the sport of wrestling, only the number one person goes to the Olympic Games representing Team USA. So by me taking second, I was an alternate. That had spun into depression and anxiety, and I was sitting on the end of my bed for about three months, and I knew that the only way I could change my uh, mental space was if I actually changed my physical space. I grew up and I was training at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, Colorado, which is fairly close to Fort Carson. So I made the decision that in order to get out of the this depression that I was in from not making the Olympic team, I opted to raise my hand and swore an oath to our Constitution and enlisted in the military. Army, right? I did. Yes, correct. So I joined the army and within a year and a half, I was able to have volunteered for deployment to Afghanistan, which was, again, me more soul searching and and working to attain some gratitude for how successful I was in sport. But then also realizing that sport wasn't the only defining factor in life. There were other things to take into consideration. And I just chose to continue serving my country in a different capacity. Sure. You know, I've been um, I've been to the Team USA Awards a couple times now. Um, and one of the things that we, you know, we we always go there to interview and talk to the Paralympians or any other Olympians that are, that are veterans. Um, and but when we get a chance to talk to the other Olympians, we always ask them, you know, what it's like to represent their, you know, represent their country. And then we ask the veterans, what's it like to represent your country in a different a different form? Um, what what are some similarities and maybe some uh, odd differences in, in the, the sense of representing country between, you know, the, the Team USA and, uh, and uh, serving in the military? Having come from spending 12 years with Team USA at the most elite levels, there was a very sincere, genuine patriotism that had come with representing your, your country. And then transitioning over and representing your country and going to war and being in combat – one of the biggest 
notions that I found that were different was this whole sense of camaraderie. So being on a a women's wrestling team, yes, we were very close and very tight, but it's an indescribable comparison to the brothers and sisters that go through basic training, AIT uh, deployments. So when I look back and I think of the difference, one of them, I had a lot of gratitude uh, and that was with Team USA but it was coming full circle and representing the Army, both on a deployment. And then when I came back and wrestled for the Army's world-class athlete program, there was a profound sense of loyalty and love because no one can comprehend from the ranks of uh, Team USA just how significant it is to wear the flag and the Team USA and to say I'm an American and I'm a patriot and I'm representing my country. There is a there's a degree and a level that most people just simply can't fathom because they were not part of the challenge and the hardship that came through the brother and sisterhood of representing your your service. Yeah. T- tell us about a, a close friend or a great leader that you had while you were in the military. You can choose either one, but tell us about that person. One of uh, it's actually the same person. I have a great friend, a great a great leader and a mentor. His name was his name is Major John Anderson, and he wrestled for the Army's world class athlete program. And he came up with this concept, this idea of a T set total soldier enhancement training. And they would take a group of us, about five to seven world class athlete program soldiers, and go around to different military installations using. Uh, physical training and and incorporating that with um, mental skills training so that we can help other soldiers understand how to control their anxiety and how to goal set. And, And when I saw the way that he was as a leader, as a major within the army, how he was able to communicate so effectively with the newly enlisted soldiers, whether they were at AIT or they were coming through and they were just simply in our T-set training because their commanders felt like they needed to get something out of it. He was one of the most profound leaders, and he was so incredibly humble, but he would outwork almost anyone and everyone any day of the week, and he was the epitome in my eyes and my in the way that I could look at leadership by saying he led from the front. Even then, when we were getting awards and accolades, he would never want to be recognized because for him, it was just something that he loved to do. And he genuinely loved being a leader and a role model within the military for soldiers like myself and, and other people that he happened to cross paths with. Yeah. What, what prompted your transition out then? I had spent, um, I, I did six years of active service within the military, whether it was a deployment. And as I was starting to consider, do I want to transition out and do something else or do I want to stay in? One of the things that became very apparent to me was the army has a camaraderie, not just the army, but all of the military services have a camaraderie that is just completely unparalleled. And as I was starting to go and get invited to go and do speaking engagements, whether it was at the state department or with within state or federal entities, as soon as I was able to say, hi, my name's Sally Roberts, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a veteran, a combat soldier, that opened up so many doors. And one of the things that I was always so passionate about was to be an advocate and a leader for other girls and women as they figured out where they fit in life and where their power and strength came from. So really, the, the impetus for me to transition on was because there was some work for me to do in the outside world, and I knew that my leadership was going to be Uh, very impactful because girls and women needed to have that role model of what right looked like, of what it meant to lead from the front. That was really what it all came down to, was that there was something beyond the walls of the military where I could continue to serve and I could affect more lives because I could dictate my own schedule and how 
how often I wanted to work, use my voice to amplify the voices of others. Did you tra- did you start wrestle like a girl movement right away, or did that? How did that develop? Yes, I did right away. So sep- January of 2016, that was the Olympic year for Rio, and. <clears throat> I knew that whether I was going to make that Olympic team or not, I needed to have eyes forward to the future. I, I looked around in different ways to get involved with uh, wrestling, with advocacy, and I decided that there was no particular organization that fit my desire or my work ethic. So I was going to create my own organization that was going to serve as a transition piece for when I transitioned out of um, military service. And I also finally retired and hung up my boots representing Team USA. So in early January, I had this idea that I was going to start Wrestle Like a Girl, and I had started it, but it was waiting in the wings for for me to tie up those loose ends, whether it was through the military or Team USA. And in 2016, I unfortunately tore my ACL about a week and a half before Olympic trials. And what that meant, um, with, with an eyes wide open, that meant that it was going to be extremely uh, challenging for me to make the Olympic team. But I also had this sense of, you know what, it's okay because I've got something else lined up and it was Wrestle Like a Girl and it was an organization that I started to build while I was still in the military. It was just, um, it it wasn't active. And as soon as I was able to really open my wings and and start charging forward, then that's when I was able to say, I have this organization and this is what I'm going to be doing. I guess I could ask simply like, what is the mission of of Wrestle Like a Girl? But I, I guess what you know, what effect are you are you ultimately trying to make or have? I guess is the, the grammatically correct way to ask that question. What effect? What effect are you ultimately having trying to have with Wrestle Like a Girl? There are two main points of impact that we're working to achieve with Wrestle Like a Girl. The first is that we're working to create more opportunities for girls and women to have the, to be able to wrestle. Um, and, and we're doing that because of the second and third order effects, which is wrestling is one of the toughest sports. And there's no one else out there, whether you win or lose, you have to accept that the victory or the loss on your own skill level. And then understanding how, how that authenticity of self, how that sense of self and your sense of ownership and how those skills play into leaders, that was very important for me. So the second, the second impact point that we we're working towards is showing girls and women how to become leaders by using a sport uh, and a sport such as wrestling, where you have to have grit and tenacity. You have to be able to take risks and you have to be able to put yourself out there, whether you win or lose and, and accept full ownership of that. And from my time being in the military and being a combat soldier, I saw that there, there have been areas in the United States where there has been a lack of support for getting those girls and women to become leaders. And it really had, there was a, there's multiple facets of why that is. But at the end of the day, I knew that I could use my skill set from representing the, uh, the United States with Team USA to representing um, the America on a combat deployment within the Army. And I could say, these are the skills that I found valuable in leaders whether they were male or female, and I'm going to take these same skill sets and start working on girls ages 5 to 18 so they can start to develop them themselves so by the time they're ready to become leaders and take those risks and put their foot forward, whether they're signing up to serve in the military or they want to be on Team USA or they're trying out for colleges, they know that they have the capacity of what it takes to make it happen and to do the, each and every one of those agenda items well. What what are what are some of the main challenges that that girls have get initially getting into the sport? 
depending on where you live, there is uh, plentiful social and societal factors that are inhibiting women or girls to, to get on the wrestling mat. So one of the challenges that I've taken on is to create a campaign of an awareness that girls and women really can do anything, especially wrestle. So the biggest challenge that we're seeing is that depending on where girls grow up, being as unfemale, that's not what girls or women do. And if you look at the military, um, not not necessarily within the military, but from the outside looking in, they would say, oh, I don't I don't know if that's what a girl or woman should do, whether it be going into special operations or um, taking on a job where historically women don't exist. So being able to really push the boundaries of where people in the United States live um, and, and how they view and perceive women and what their skills and capabilities are and, and understanding that they can work with us and we can work with them to bring on a whole new era of leadership. One thing that I, that I think is interesting that, that we're slowly seeing, um, especially in the last three to five years, um, is that female athletes are starting to become role models and become more popular with both genders. Do you see that with, uh, I guess I wouldn't, I guess I wouldn't be able to name a female, uh, uh, wrestler, but like, how ha- have you seen something similar to that in women's sports where, uh, maybe your male friends, your male, um, your male family members are taking more note of female athletes and showing them the same respect that we were showing Michael Jordan and such, you know, 20 years ago. I do. And I, there's, and I've been working to wrap my brain around it. And I've, I've started to come to understand a few different things. One is that the more female athletics gets put on TV, the more that we see female soldiers being put on TV, the more that little girls and women can look and say, oh, I see her and I can be her. And that helps to bring other people to the forefront of saying women's athletics is just as powerful as men's athletics. And then the other component of that is is standards. Anyone in the military, they'll tell you across the board the thing that they love the most about military PT tests is that there should be standards across the board. And having, regardless of gender, people meet those same standards, that's where we start to really rise and see that women and girls are capable of anything. They just have to get trained up for it. They have to be incorporated into the process so they could own their own skills. So if you if I hear you say, uh, women are becoming just as popular of athletes as, as men. Yes, of course, because they're getting more TV time. They're getting more play time. We look at women's athletics um, on par as men's, especially if you're looking at certain certain sports. Um, but then beyond that, we're also recognizing that some of these female athletes are completely phenomenal and they're phenomenal in their own right. And if you look at Serena Williams, yeah. she would, someone said, Oh, you're, you're the greatest female athlete ever. And she said, I'm the greatest athlete ever. Right. So you even see women are starting to take ownership of that. That doesn't necessarily apply to me. I can say I'm the greatest athlete ever. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, th- I think that for so long, I think we have as female athletes have begun to, rise and become more popular get the air the, the tv time like you're talking about we've made the mistake of saying like oh sh- you know she's like the the female version of so-and-so right and that so-and-so of course being a male athlete when when we we truly just need to recognize them for being the athlete that they are in their own right not necessarily compared to a male counterpart i agree um what tell me so so you you stood this up in in 2016 I heard that right 
Yes, July 26, 2016 is when we got our official um, IRS designation as a nonprofit entity. Yeah, so so in those 2 years, what what do you where do you think your um your biggest opportunity has been what's what's an impact you've seen that you've been able to make where hat where are you really making the most noise uh you know you know pat yourself on the back here to tell, tell us about uh, about some success you've had when we first started when i first started wrestle like a girl from 1999 until 2002 there were six states in the united states that had a sanctioned girls high school state tournament from 2002 until 2016 there was no movement regarding the addition of more states that have a sanctioned girls high school state tournament. So one of the issues and initiatives that we put forward was that we're going to champion that cause because we recognize for girls to have the opportunity to wrestle for a state title, that is going to open the door for more opportunities. Since, since 2016, when we first made wrestle like a girl go live up until just today, we've added six more states. So there's now 12 states that offer female wrestling as a high school sanctioned sport. The other thing that we've done is we've worked really closely with other wrestling entities and with the NCAA to bring women's wrestling as an emerging sport status. And the conversations that we've been having are very promising. And it looks that if everything continues the way forward as it has been, by next year, we will have helped spearhead and create the NCAA women's wrestling as an emerging sport. Beyond that, we've been invited to four different countries to go and teach girls and women the sport of wrestling, and some of them uh, have no infrastructure for support of any kind, one of them being um, uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo. So when we got the invitation and the opportunity to go to the DRC and teach wrestling and self-defense to women, we jumped at the chance. We're willing to take on uh, opportunities that most wouldn't because we believe in the value of every woman and girl across the globe having the opportunity of understanding how dang tough they are. So if if someone listening is um, in a state where their daughter may not where, where there's there isn't uh, you know the, the uh, state sanctioned tournaments or that maybe their their local high school doesn't have a team, what what can they do? What resources like I, I'm you know I'm I'm, I'm little I'm, I haven't been in high school for a while I'm not. <laughs> Not sure how high school sports work anymore, uh, but what are ways that they can advocate for themselves in their local community? Any girl is has the availability and the opportunity to wrestle on any team in the United States. There is going to be, depending on where you live, you might not be wrestling other girls, but you can always wrestle boys. And for the for the females that are just not comfortable wrestling boys, we suggest that if you go find a peer so that you can bring them into the wrestling room, and that can be your practice partner, and that can be your training partner, and the both of the both of them, they can then go to tournaments and there's tournaments all over the United States. Um, and there's increasingly more and more women's wrestling tournaments with women's specific brackets. But beyond that, you can always go to our website, www.wrestlelikeagirl.org. And we are coming up with continual ways to bring more knowledge into that space so that there's coaches that are more comfortable coaching women so that moms of these daughters that want to wrestle are able to go and get a coaching certification, not necessarily because they want to become division one coaches, but because they want to understand what the heck their daughters are doing out on that wrestling mat. And Oh my gosh, are they winning? Cause I'm not actually sure right now. Um, so there's a few different ways for them to get involved, but essentially it comes down to this number one thing, which is they have to be able and be willing to take a risk. They have to be willing to take a risk and go to a wrestling team and learn as much as they can, whether they have a female training partner or not, and using that as a as a platform to continue to grow. Because one of the things that we're finding with the sport of wrestling is that it's 
one of the high it's one of the sports that has the highest enrollment of first generation college students. So that means that maybe their mother or father hadn't gone to college, but wrestlers are able to afford the opportunity to go to college because there's more scholarships for women and girls within the sport of wrestling than there ever has been. In fact, we have teams that aren't even fielding a full roster because they don't have enough girls or women to pull from. So if there's ever a if there's ever any athlete, a female wrestler that wants to try, we of course would love it. And just know that there's a lot of support. And at the end of the day, they can always send us an email um, to info at Wrestle Like a Girl if they have some challenges and they need some outside help on figuring out how to work that out so that they can benefit from it positively. Yeah. Is this, is, so is Wrestle Like a Girl, Is are you full-time that or do you have another vocation? I am full-time Wrestle Like a Girl, so I spend my time – I'm probably in my home city of Colorado Springs one week a month, and the other weeks I'm traveling across the nation or across the world talking and advocating about women's wrestling, women's opportunities, or human rights because I recognize that all humans should be afforded the opportunity to move their body as that physiological expression. Yeah. What – um what opportunities have you gotten to collaborate with other, um, either other organizations or other people that are that are in that equality movement? That is one of the things that we are most skilled at is the collaboration. So there's an organization called Equality League, and they're working to leverage sport and human rights so that everyone can have an opportunity to participate. We work with Champion Women. It's founded by a three-time Olympic gold medalist, Nancy Hogshead Makar, who is part of the effort to push the safe sport, which President Trump, uh, President Trump has just signed into law. So those are two organizations that we work really closely with. And we had just um, started working with Jackie Joyner-Kersey's foundation, who she's working with inner city youths um, all over, but St. Louis is where she's headquartered at. So having an ability to find um, the other elite athletes that I trained with or that I came across at the Olympic Training Center, seeing them do their particular vocations, whether it's Champion Women or Equality League or Jackie Joyner Kersey's Foundation, and being able to call them up and say, hey, we're going we're gonna to be impactful on our own, but we can amplify at times too if we partner together. Two, two things that have happened as as a byproduct of me founding Wrestle Like a Girl, there is the international human rights. Uh, they have a international human rights in business. They have a convention every year, a uh, summit perhaps. And it's either in New York or Geneva. And they bring massive stakeholders to these spaces so that we can all have a conversation on a global scale with the stakeholders and the thought leaders about what we can all be doing as supporters of sport, of human rights, of advocacy on a, on a larger scale. So this last year, that was when I was in Geneva speaking about women's wrestling and wrestle like a girl and some of those second and third order effects. So one of the things that we're doing right now behind the scenes with wrestle like a girl is working with those different entities and those different nations to say, if you don't have women's wrestling because it doesn't fit into your modesty requirements, then let's have a conversation of what it will take to get women's wrestling there. So we we have really started to expand out quite globally, knowing that when girls and women are afforded the opportunity to participate in sport, they can become leaders regardless of where they were born or regardless of uh, the, the societal structure that they live in. I remember what my question was. Um, do you um... – as you travel about and tell people what you're doing, tell, tell people what this is about, have you noticed that our, our neutral parties 
interested or 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 are you um man, what's the right way to ask this question here yeah so as you're traveling about and you're telling people about wrestle like a girl and what you're doing are you noticing that like neutral parties are interested and like curious about it or or is this just niched down to to girls in wrestling and and that's where and that's that's where you're gaining traction Mike is, is that question getting somewhere yes okay. I understand it so the answer to your question, as I understand it, is there's more people that are neutral than there are detractors from supporting the movement of female wrestling. And with that being said, the more that I can get in front of people and talk to them and tell them uh, some of that that happens when they afford women and girls the opportunity, the more of those people we can get from becoming detractors to neutral and from neutral to becoming supporters. So our goal is to get all of the population onto the side of being a supporter, but recognizing that we have to use diplomacy and sport diplomacy to be able to um, get some of those detractors to the neutral and some of those neutral uh, entities or people to the supporting pool. And it's happening slowly but surely, and the number one thing that we've been able to do to combat that is just like you would see elected officials doing, going around canvassing, knocking door to door, and having those conversations. And when we put those people in front of girls and women who have had the opportunity to wrestle and are benefiting from it positively, then that's when they're able to say, oh, I had a, I had a conception of what you were doing, but once I saw these girls and I saw them wrestling and I saw what happened to them, I could hear their outspokenness and I could hear how powerful they were becoming. That's when we have been able to really get those people on our sides. Yeah. So going to the detractors, what is their biggest opposition to this? Do they just believe that wrestling isn't necessarily a girl's sport. What's what's their biggest opposition to this? The biggest opposition are when girls are wrestling boys. If we have girls wrestling girls, then that's fine to a lot of people. If we have boys wrestling boys, then that's fine. Where the challenge and the conflict comes in is when you have girls wrestling boys because they're saying, well, we just don't know about this sport and there's so many unknowns and potentially someone is going to take something the wrong way. So the biggest, the biggest challenge that we have is making people understand that girls don't have to wrestle girls or like, that's what we want. We want girls to be able to wrestle girls and boys to be able to wrestle boys. But until that happens, we do have some girls that are wrestling boys, depending on where they live in the United States, because we just don't have the same pool. Um, And once they understand that when people start helping us create states, high schools um, for girls to wrestle other girls, until we get to that point where we have more people amplifying our voices and be the challenge that we exist in and it's we're able to cut it slowly so that it doesn't always present the same challenges but by everyone chipping in and saying girls should have the opportunity to wrestle for a high school state title against other girls that is where the exponential growth comes from gotcha uh so like what what is a what is a skill set or experience that you that you got in the military that's contributing to your success today you alluded to a couple of things but i want to expand on that a little bit more the number one skill that or trait that I acquired from being in the military was how utterly important confidence is. And I I say that because when I was psychological operations, I had an interpreter and we would go outside of the wire talking to um, Afghan women to try and collect atmospherics. If I showed any level of 
uncomfortableness or a lack of confidence or any level of uncertainty, it was so much harder for these women to trust me. And it was so much harder for my my interpreter. So everything sort of revolved around the confidence that I had and how I held myself as a leader. So taking that skill, um, confidence, how, and how it ties into how people perceive you as a leader, I was able to bring that into the sport realm and to the advocacy realm. And I can now stand in front of anyone, talk to them about why wrestling matters, why women's wrestling matters, why women and girls need the opportunities. And, and I get the same feedback almost every time, which is, wow, you're a very powerful leader. And, and it really, I, I 100% attest that to being in the military, to being able to say, I have to be able to walk through that door and have a key leader engagement. And I know that I have to be able to take my helmet off and, and to really relax as much as possible so that I can break down those walls and have that ongoing dialogue. What, uh, tell, me, tell me about a, a veteran, another veteran or, or a veteran organization that you're familiar with that has you excited about what they're doing right now. Yeah, I just spent this last weekend in the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, and one of my friends, Randy Couture, had just been inducted into the Hall of Fame. And Randy Couture and Nate Boyer have founded MVP. Um, yeah. And I, and I was talking to Randy quite a bit about that, trying to understand exactly what he's doing and how he and Nate have partnered and understanding the gyms and, and being able to open it up to our soldiers, our first responders, and also to those NFL players or those elite athletes that are struggling with the transition as they go from their professional career into their private life and wondering what the heck is next. And that has a particular um, a, 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 a particular fondness for me because my husband is a uh, Green Beret, and he's getting out of the army in about 45 days. So I am able to observe him and watch him through his eyes, understanding challenges in the civilian world. So through that conversation with Randy Couture and then knowing Nate Boyer and, and the program that they have, well, it's now going to be able to serve my husband because they're actually addressing some, um, they're actually addressing specifically the challenge that he's running into, which is he's not going to talk to people about some of the challenges and frustrations until he goes through an extremely hard workout. And then he's going to be able to sit and take his guard down and be authentic. And, and be open and receptive to what people are telling him. That's a I like that, that, that's a good plug for that. That's a really good organization. Nate Boyer has been on on this show before. I've, I've known him for a little while, and it, uh, that effort they have is great. Um, so, is there anything about anything that we've discussed, anything about uh, wrestle like a girl that we haven't touched on yet that you want to make sure the audience is aware of? My husband is in special forces, and the the soldiers that are in that element that are in that group. They've asked, how many times, Sally, can you come and do some Wrestle Like a Girl camps for our group? And the answer is always yes. I love that because those military personalities understand what it means to be able to empower our women and girls. And if there's ever anyone out there that wants to understand more, they certainly can reach out to us because we do camps. We do empowerment camps. We travel the United States and we take our elite athletes, our Olympians with us. And they're learning these technical skills from some of the best of the best in the world. And we're pairing it with with championship life skills, so goal setting and confidence building and, and teamwork and camaraderie. So we would love to get um, as many of the girls in the United States to our camps as possible. So please reach out and let's get you guys looped in. Sally Roberts, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for, for helping us understand something uh, I'm sure a, a number of people uh, uh, were sort of unfamiliar with. And I'm, I'm glad there's people like you out there that's doing good work like this. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. VA's round-the-clock hotline can put veterans who are homeless in touch with the resources and support they earned through their military service. Call 877-424-3838.
you enjoyed Sally's story and you find this stuff interesting, maybe your community could benefit from this. Maybe your local school can benefit from this. Uh, WrestleLikeAGirl.org is where Sally's uh, organization can be found. A lot of information there uh, on what they're doing. And again, just super cool to see how veterans are just going off into their own interests and their own communities and their own lives and making an impact. Super cool. This week's Medal of Honor citation reading is for Gregory Pappy Boyington, United States Marine Corps Reserve, rank of major, division was Marine Squadron 214, Marine Air Group 11, 1st Marine Air Wing. This is World War II, Year of Honor is 1943. Citation reads, for extraordinary heroism and valiant devotion to, to duty as commanding officer of Marine Fighting Squadron 214 in action against enemy Japanese forces in the Central Solomons area from 12 September 1943 to 3 January 1944. Consistently outnumbered throughout successive hazardous fights over heavily defended hostile territory, Major Boynton struck at the enemy with daring and courageous persistence leading his squadron into combat with devastating results to Japanese shipping, shore installations, and aerial forces. Resolute in his efforts to inflict crippling damage on the enemy, Major Boynton led a formation of 24 fighters over Kahili on 17 October and, persistently circling the aerodrome where 60 hostile aircraft were grounded, boldly challenged the Japanese to send up planes. Under his brilliant command, our fighters shot down 20 enemy craft in the ensuing action without the loss of a single ship. A superb airman and determined fighter against overwhelming odds, Major Boynton personally destroyed 26 of the many Japanese planes shot down by his squadron and by his forceful leadership developed the combat readiness in his command, which was a distinctive factor in the Allied aerial achievements in the in this vitally strategic area. We honor his service. That does it for another episode of Born the Battle. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I know there's a lot of options out there for entertainment, so I appreciate you taking the time to listen to these powerful veteran stories. Be sure to nominate a veteran of the day. Should you have someone you want us to recognize, send that information over to newmedia at va.gov. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DEPT Vet Affairs for more stories and images from our community. I'll see you next week. Timothy Lawson, signing off.